0: Welcome into inside the pile on the podcast for Wednesday March 9th Chuck Zada and Mark Schofield here as we are every single day of the week except for Saturday and Sunday and we are here today with a guest to uh, help talk about a couple of the college quarterbacks projected to go in the first round of the NFL draft I'm going to introduce him in just a second but before we get to him have to bring in the co-host Mark Schofield. Mark I know this is uh, exciting for you to talk about quarterbacks. It's always exciting to talk about quarterbacks, my friend. I love it. It's about as good as it gets here, aside from talking about kickers, but we won't do that today. Let's bring in our guest now, Brent Subleski. He is an NFL analyst at Bleacher Report. Brent, appreciate you joining us.
1: Well, thank you for having me. And the irony of the entire conversation is I'm a former big ugly, so quarterbacks, I usually don't give this much time or Deaths to overall.
0: <laughs> Brent, let me tell you, they're the worst people to hang out with, aren't they? It's, you know, they, they treat you like dirt. It's all about them. And, you know, a lot of the other work goes unnoticed. It's, it's really tough.
1: It, it is. It's a bunch of prima donnas who get all the credit and then you blame the offensive lineman the one time he misses a block.
0: Exactly. I, I, I'm right with you, Brent. We got to hang out a little more often. So, <laughs> let's... Chuck, I am right here, <laughs> man. Who said that? Exactly. Let's uh let's start. Uh, where do you want to start, Mark? You take your pick. You got these. These are your babies here. Who do you want to start with? These are my babies. Why don't we give it to Brent? Brent, we, the reason why we are having
2: you on is you wrote two great pieces that were up on Bleach Report recently, where you sat down with uh, Jared Goff's offensive coordinator, um, as well as Carson Wentz's offensive coordinator. So, uh, which QB do you want to start with?
1: Well, it doesn't matter to me. Uh, you know, I just wanted to get out there first and foremost. The reason I wanted to do these initially was because. As you well know, gentlemen, there's a lot of incorrect narratives that we hear throughout the NFL draft process. And the, the two examples I use were Teddy Bridgewater's circumference of his knees and Marcus Mariota being so good that that raises his red flag. And, and, you know, I hate when we continually regurgitate wrong information. So I, I sat down and thought to myself, who would be the best people to talk to and know would know these med- these young men as individuals, as quarterbacks, what was asked of them? who they are, what they represent, and everything along those lines. And it basically came down, I want to talk to their offensive coordinators. And through a series of events, it it worked out beautifully that I was able to do so. Uh, I started the piece with Jared Goff and Tony Franklin, and then we moved into Wentz this past weekend.
2: Um, Why don't we just start with this? Generally speaking, did you almost feel like both these guys, Franklin and Polisek, uh, Wentz's offensive coordinator, were not only defending their former players, but almost defending the offenses that they coached in college.
1: No, yeah, absolutely, especially with Coach Franklin, because you know the air raid attacks so often as an as a scheme and a system that doesn't work at the NFL level. You've essentially never had a productive, quote unquote, air raid quarterback make it to the NFL and succeed. Whether it was Tim Couch in 1999, whether it's RG3 now or Johnny Manziel, maybe that's for other reasons, Brandon Whedon and so on and so forth. So when I started that with the interview with him, that was the first thing I tried to address in, in, in the response what well, he was very adamant that he doesn't view it purely as an air raid system. We all understand that it has roots. In that system, you're going to see a lot of the similar plays you saw way back in 99 in Kentucky, but you're going to see a bunch of differentiations as well. The example he provided was a heavier emphasis on run games, a heavier emphasis on uh, his uh, progression through reach with, with golf that weren't asked of some of the younger quarterbacks that he's dealt with over the past decade and a half. So I think he was very defensive, but also very passionate about what Jared brings to the table, the type of person he is, and how much just leeway he gave him that he's never had with any other quarterback.
0: Brent, when we talk about that, and specifically the the amount of leeway uh, there, it seemed to me, and, and this is one of the things that I got from talking to Mark about this uh, you know, when the article first came out, is... You know, it seems to me we always talk about how little we can tell from watching film in terms of specific guidance uh, that players have on specific plays, and it seems that this type of communication is the type of thing that as much film as we can try to watch, we would never have any clue about, and this is why you had to go right to the source.
1: Absolutely, and that was one of my goals, because I was sitting right there with you, gentlemen. You know, I've I've covered the NFL draft for uh, 12-plus years now. You can see so much, and you can make... That's a um, good guesstimate based on what you see. Traits, you're looking at traits. You're not looking at scheme per se. You're just trying to understand what they're doing within the scheme and how they perform as such. In this case, I wanted to understand exactly what was asked of them, where would they go, what were they doing at the line of scrimmage, what type of responsibilities. With golf, it was complete control, and I, I won't use this term lightly, so I apologize if I go a little too far. Peyton Manning esque in what he was asked to do, and that was basically run the offense from pre-step all the way through and make all the reads, uh, change protections, change the plays, switch from run to pass, pass to run, uh, everything along those lines to where you would ask an NFL quarterback to do, though you don't see very many college quarterbacks do. They don't have that freedom. They're not allotted such freedom because their offensive coordinators are generally Scared of doing so because they don't know exactly where they're going to get. This also is applicable to Wentz to a, to a degree far more than I actually thought, but with golf, it was flat out he had complete control. He was calling the plays uh, at times, and he was the one where Franklin realized he could be hands off with him, that he could truly trust him to get them at the right play almost every single time.
2: That was one of the things, Brent, that really kind of surprised me about reading the, the golf piece because, you know, you can see on tape that golf's working through progressions. He's making progression reads, going from one to two to three and things like that. But I think there was almost an understanding or a misunderstanding that he was allowed to make protection calls and change the play at the line of scrimmage. Now that we know that, does that give you a better thought or feel on how golf might transition to the NFL?
1: I, I, to me, he was already a player I felt would transition well. And I compare him in this instance to Marcus and Maybe you gentlemen don't agree with me there, but you saw those traits. You saw the proger- working through the pro- progressions, the quick eyes, the anticipatory throws. They weren't always there, but when he did it, you could see it, and you could see that it could translate to the next level. And that's where I saw it with Jared. But again, it came down to. What was he asked to do? And that's what your point is, how can we expand on what our knowledge of what he was asked to do? I think in many instances, we can say the the air raid, bear raid, or whatever we want to call it in this this case, was more advanced than what we could expect. Is it still fully NFL caliber? No, obviously not. There's going to be far more expanded playbook, far more uh, verbiage overall. But he can handle it, and that's that's the key trait we're talking about here, a very intelligent person that can process information quickly. And that's what, one of the underrated things throughout any draft process when it comes to the quarterback position, is their ability to digest a ton of information, see it on the field, and be able to translate it. And I think what we've discovered with Goff is that he's very good in that area. He might not be the most physically dominant prospect we'll ever find. He may not be. Uh, The most precise passer at all times, but his ability to really take it all in and see the field is a real feather in his cap in this year's draft class.
0: Brent, when you were talking to these coordinators, we hear an awful lot from NFL uh, evaluators and coaches that the, the college game doesn't do enough to prepare players for the nfl and the in the transition to the nfl did you get any sense in talking to these coordinators whether or not that was even a concern of theirs or are they just really concerned with putting an offense together that gets them through the next saturday
1: well, with Coach Franklin, it wasn't a concern at all. <laughs> he basically lambasted the NFL coaches in, in the interview. And I agree with him to an extent, simply because I think at times we're so rigid in the way we view players, the way we view systems, and the way they fit into the NFL, that we those NFL teams don't take a step back and really try to cater their systems at all times to the young talents. We just need time to develop in the proper way, mentally, physically, and everything you ask them. Now, Coach Polisek, but far more adamant in the opposite direction, that he believes what separates Carson Wentz from anyone in this class is that he is in a pro-style offense, that he has the long verbiage of a West Coast scheme, that he has the ability to, again, digest information, regurgitate it quickly, and understand it. And this is, that was a common theme talking to the both of the coaches, the mental acuity for both of these players. One we already thought we knew with Golf based on limited viewings. Went was far more behind the scenes and really uh, his ability to handle NFL concepts which was surprising. So on one hand, you have one coach dismissing it simply because his system and it it, it works in his favor on the, on the other side he felt that he was far more uh, pro-ready and that their system prepared him for that level. So it was kind of neat to see the dichotomy between the two, both very passionate about what they're speaking And the players. And, and, but I think both of them, you have the talent you have similar traits that I keep harping back on that can pro- project to the next level, even though they come out of such drastic differences when it comes to system, school, and coaching.
2: Brett, moving to Wentz a little bit now, one of the things that you kind of see in the evaluation world, or quote-unquote draft Twitter, is this question that, look, if Carson Wentz is so good, why was he sitting on the bench behind Brock Jensen? So before we dive into Wentz, can you tell our listeners just how great a college quarterback and FCS quarterback that Brock Jensen was? Yeah,
1: people, three straight national championships, you know, you have a player that, um, who got a sniff in the NFL tryout with two different teams. He's currently in the CFL. So he's not exactly chopped liver when it comes to the quarterback position. He's a heady player that was able to go into Division one schools with North Dakota State, the Bison, and win those games. He was very athletic, very hard-nosed, just a smart football, tough football player. And then and the piece, and what Pulisic told me that surprised me, is even though he had won two straight national championships going into his senior year, there were still conversations within the uh, North Dakota State coaching staff to potentially bench him in favor of Wentz because they knew what they had physically. They know the type of talent he was, the type of throws he could make, the type of overall athlete, and which is superior to Jensen. Jensen's great collegiate. But as Polisek said, Wentz was a better prospect. So there was internal conversations of that happening. They just decided they, they could not, in, in good faith, pull a quarterback after winning two straight national championships for him.
0: When we talk about Wentz, uh, one of the things that we, we've seen mentioned in a couple places is that Wentz doesn't necessarily have the quickest feet in the pocket. And in your uh, article, you made a point uh, that Polisek had said look, uh, this is a guy who oftentimes was playing faster than a lot of the other guys around him and sometimes waiting on plays to develop. Do you think that that type of view can help to mute some of that criticism that Carson has faced?
1: To a degree, yes, because we have, obvious, it's obvious that the surrounding cast, while very, very talented at that level and the Bison are fun to watch, isn't the same as we've seen as even... At the MAC level, to a certain extent, or just a lower level FBS overall, you know, I would have somewhat issues that if you're waiting on a wide receiver and you're trying to sync up your footwork in a West Coast scheme with a player coming out of his break, maybe you should take an extra hitch. Maybe you should stare off a of safety a little bit longer. But in his case, he felt that he um, once was doing certain things the other the other quarterbacks weren't doing it, that he's been around. And for example, the example he gave was. A lot of the pre snap reads okay for um uh, he would be into his third third uh progression, his third read off the snap because he already knew one and two were taken away, so at times maybe that's why he was staring down a target because he knew that's where the ball had to go, so it speaks to his intelligence overall. He also pointed out that because of the fact that he was a full read offense that not a lot of other quarterbacks in this class were able to do as the same things that he was asked to do. You know, he questioned openly about what people were seeing when they say staring down receivers, slow through his progressions. Uh, You know, I asked him directly about all those things, and he he basically rebutted it with he's actually playing at a much faster level than people are giving credit for. It's just everyone else trying to catch up around him. I think that's true to a degree. I also think there's an extent that he needs to work on certain areas where he can – really improve footwork being one of them you asked Carson himself and they did at the con- or excuse me the senior bowl he said his footwork needs improved especially with the deep passes i gave him a lot of credit throughout the season one thing I found fascinating was he spent the entire 9 weeks when he was injured with a broken wrist still working all the drills with footwork even when he couldn't throw the football if he was still at practice he was still trying to get better he was still trying to hone those areas of his game so they, he knows it's a concern, but maybe it's not to the extent of what we've all made it out to be.
2: Brent, one of the interesting things watching once on tape is similar to golf. you can see that there are times when he again goes full field reads, like when North Dakota State runs four verticals, he's going full field right to left. Um, but because of the talent around him with North Dakota State, many times, even though it looks like his first read, his first reads open and he's going there with the football. So it looks like he's just a guy lock it in on that first target. But did coach Polacek talk about that criticism, in the sense that look, if his first read is open, why is, is that's the he's supposed to throw the ball?
1: Yeah. He actually did mention that and said basically exactly what we're bringing up is that, if the check there immediately or the first, second read there immediately, why not take it? That's part of the scheme. That's, to, to me, that's football in general. That's the way most offenses are set up. If you have the throw, make the throw if it's open. You don't want to work your way and when you've been taught a certain, a certain amount of the way you go through your progression, go through your reads. If it's there, take it. And that's exactly what he's taught a lot of this stuff. You know, with golf and Wentz, you had a high-low concepts, working long, the short... Both of them did that successfully at, 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 at their levels, but sometimes you just know based on what you see with the safety vote, based on the way you see on the cornerback their alignment, what's going to open up immediately. And if it's there, take it. And both of them were asked to do it, and both coaches admitted. that's what they wanted him to do. So we can knock him for it, and we can look at Wentz in particular and see that his uh, downfield passing was actually not very high. His accuracy, I'm quoting off the top of my head, I want to say 39% on deep passes. Wasn't as good as you'd want for a guy with that big of an arm and that big of a body. But he was doing what was asked of him within the scheme, within the offense. And sometimes we have to understand that while not completely knocking them because they're doing their job, and you can't ask a player to do more than that.
2: Generally speaking, I mean, isn't this kind of the basic, you know, scout the traits, not the scheme argument that, you know, as we're going through the evaluation process, look, you can't knock a player for performing within the offensive system that he was designed to run in college. Like, look at what he's able to do from a traits perspective and figure out if that will be able to translate. Isn't Goff and Wentz, aren't these kind of the two almost – I guess, ideal figureheads for that argument, similar to Mariota last season?
1: Well, I would argue Mariota was the the primary example we could possibly give because, as we know, Oregon had so many different throws that you just don't see in the NFL, quick reads and smoke routes and underneath stuff and fly sweeps and all that extra jazz that goes along in the Ducks offense. But you could still see the quick eyes, the ability to process information quickly. You still saw the footwork, the movement, the pocket awareness, you saw these things with, with, with Marcus, and you thought to yourself, this guy could be special as a result. golf. I see similar things. You see the toughness in the pocket. He is fantastic with his feet, gentlemen. I know you guys know a quarterback position is based on the footwork up, and his, he patterned himself after Peyton Manning all after all these years with the hot feet. He was taught that way by Franklin. You see the movement. You can see him making those quick decisions, bang, 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 bang. So I see those traits, and to me, I agree one hundred percent with Wentz. I think it was harder to see the type of traits. You saw the physical traits. You didn't see the mental capacity traits to an extent. You saw six foot five. You saw two hundred thirty-seven pounds. You saw four seven forty. You saw a big arm. But I didn't fully understand what he was asked to do. I didn't understand how much he was, how much pressure and responsibility was put on him. And that's for me what the most I got out of this. This piece with Carson, then uh, more so than golf is simply because how much they put on him. Again, we talked about golf earlier. He had full rank. Wentz did as well. It's just a different offense. It's a run-based offense where he's making, uh, setting up run calls, where he's setting up run uh, protection, you know, uh, the blocking schemes, setting up complete pass protections. He's calling out the mic. He's the one uh, sliding the protection one side or the other. It's all the quarterback's responsibility in that system, and they gave him so much more responsibility. So that's where I came really surprised out of this, was how much more advanced not mentally he was than I thought, based purely on looking at those traits on film. Brent,
0: after talking with uh, Franklin, what insights did he give you with regards to his thoughts on Goff's frame, which I know has been a little bit of a concern with some scouts?
1: Well, we saw it. came in saw 215 at the combine, so that's a good number. Um, you know, this is a guy, I joked about it, he was pencil thin coming into Cal, 180, 185 pounds. I asked him directly about the weight. He didn't have the exact number, but at the time he estimated he put on 30 pounds. With since coming in uh, the, three years ago as a true freshman taking over as a quarterback, But one concern that he kind of spitballed off of that was if Jared didn't have a proper surrounding cast around him, um, the protection, the right skill position players, and his ability to allow him to, to develop physically without being completely uh, basically obliterated behind the line, that he could his I, I, w- I don't want to speak for him, but he was almost intimated that. He could be ruined if he got took too much of a pounding in early in his career. It's not that he he doesn't believe in him. It's just he knows that he has to continue to mature. He's 21 years old. Let that muscular frame build out a little bit. You know Carson. He knows exactly where you're going to get. He's going on 24 this this fall. Big kid golf. You still have to project a little bit. I think that's where his his concern at least he expressed to me.
2: Brent, I think my favorite anecdote from both of these two pieces was near the end of the article on Wentz when Coach Polisek talked about an assignment that he had given Carson after Carson's junior year when they had won that national title. Can you talk about, tell the, the listeners that story and you know what you took away from what Coach Polisek told you about that?
1: Well, this is where you really get to see Carson's intelligence and drive and work ethic all wrapped into one. We understand that... It's a great story, him coming in, from North Dakota, playing in his home state, you know, close to home, winning national championships. 4.0 student his entire life, literally. <laughs> but That's after he won his first national championship, Coach Polisette called him and said, Are you over it? I am. And he asked him and requested that he break down 10 games from that season. And now this is a national championship season 10 games and take every single one of those games and every single play in those games and find a better call. No matter what the success rate of that actual play was in that game, he wanted a better call, run, pass, whatever was available to them based on what he saw on tape. Carson Wentz had it done in 36 hours. 36 hours. 10 games, the exhaustive... Tape study that that produces just through ten games, let alone being able to change every play and have it back to your offensive coordinator in three days, is utterly mind blowing. He said he's asked other other quarterbacks to do that, and that's just an end piece I didn't include it. He's asked other quarterbacks to do so. Some of them never got back to him, ever. <laughs> He's asked their, their upcoming quarterback, he sent Dick stick to do the same thing. He still hasn't got back to him. It's been, what, a couple months now. So it just shows you the drive and work ethic that Carson has that really – and I think that's why he wanted to share that anecdote to tell you exactly the type of person he is in the quarterback some team is going to get.
0: Brent, are you going to be doing uh, any additional work on either of these guys over the next few
1: weeks? Uh, well, right now free agency taken over my life, as you well know, gentlemen. <laughs> and I, I'm still hoping to do an outside chance at uh, Paxton Lynch, but that hasn't been confirmed yet. I really just want to get the you know the overall feel for all these guys, um, and just see what we don't see. And uh, to me, that's what was important that inside type of view because we can all form opinions on our th- our knowledge and through our lens and how we view the game. But all of us have different backgrounds, and we don't have the same backgrounds. As these quarterbacks, so to me, that's what was most important. I like to continue to expand it. I'm not sure, you know, I have other things lined up. I'm not sure how far I can do so, but it's definitely something I'm looking toward. Well,
0: I'll tell you this much: we certainly, I I know this is pretty much uh, heaven for Mark the last 20 minutes or so. (laughs) It really is. For myself, thank you, gentlemen. I
1: I really enjoyed it. I really did giving this talk to both these coaches and getting insight to me that just is totally invaluable. Now. I know there's people out there that say, well, it's a little bit of hyperbole, and it's like asking a father about a son. I get that. I understand that. But you're also going to get explanations and little anecdotes, as you pointed out, that you just want to hear anywhere else. And, you know, for example, in the Wentz piece, who knew that he had a sore arm through this entire draft process? Did anyone? No. But, you know, exactly. And he threw as well as he did at the senior bowl national championship game in the combine with a sore arm, and no one knew it. So just finding that out, that to me, that just made my day. You know, it really did. Just to understand a little bit more about all these quarterbacks, especially since it's a position that's so often discussed, discussed at length and sometimes incorrectly discussed.
0: Well, the thing that I always come back to, Brenton, and Mark and I talk about this quite a bit is look you can always find reasons for a prospect to fail and most prospects don't pan out just because that's the nature of professional sports otherwise everyone would be an all-star and so being able to get this kind of background and just understand what makes them tick you know it's another piece of that puzzle that helps you figure out look is this a guy who can be successful what did he struggle with how did he overcome that? You can only tell so much from film. You need to get some of that story. And that's why, you know, when I look at these two pieces, you know, I just love being able to get that info because it gives us another piece to evaluate from.
1: Well, a couple of years ago, I was sitting down with an NFL scout, uh, a former friend of mine I played against in high school. And he looked at me straight in the face and he goes, Brent... I don't know how any of these guys are successful. There's so many mitigating circumstances that occur after being drafted that you just can't tell exactly who's going to show up and who's going to, what they're going to develop if they'll ever see their full talent. And it's so true because, yes, we can discuss all day long what, who's a value pick and who's. Who, who's a good selection and where they should have went in the draft. And that's one event in their life, those players. And now we have to see they're moving to a new city. They're trying to find out there and working with the coaching staff that that meshes well. Where is your family going to live? Where are you going to live? All these things that go along with all of this is so much part of scouting. To me, Ninety um, percent of the entire scouting process is information. It's, you have to understand the individual as much as you understand the player. And in today's NFL, it's more important than ever. And it's an aspect that I think special quarterback. If you don't know, if you don't do this type of work, and I'm not saying anything I do is even close to NFL caliber, but if you don't do these type of background work, then you get burnt. You get the Johnny Manziel situation, and no team wants wants that at this point.
0: Outstanding. Well, Brent. Really appreciate you being with us. This has been awesome again. Really, really great stuff. And uh, appreciate you taking the time to uh, ch- to chat with us here.
1: No, thank you for having me. I can do this every day if you want me to.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we might take you up on that, Brad. We'll, we'll get we'll get you back tomorrow. We'd always love to have a three man booth. It's better than two, right?
1: I don't know if I'd fit. I told you I'm an ex big ugly. I take uh, up a lot okay. of space.
0: Okay. Okay. Well, look, I'm I'm five seven, one hundred hundred and two pounds, so. We got we plenty room. of space for you. Room. So, anyways, Brent, appreciate the time again, and uh, we'll talk to you later, all right? Thanks, guys. Have a good one. Absolutely. Too, that is Brent Sebleski from Bleacher Report. Uh, two great articles, and that was just 20 minutes of a tour de force on both of those players. That was 20 minutes of quarterback, quarterback joy for me. Yeah, you're, that's I that's loving that. that. That's pretty much the closest that you're going get to get to heaven until you die. Pretty might much, even, yeah. Might even be as close as you get after.
2: <laughs> Pretty much, although I mean I will say after you know all the the writing and stuff that I've been doing about Wentz, you know again date back to you know December of twenty fourteen that that first moment when I rolled up in Mobile and got to see him, you know that was a good moment too. It's
0: like a kid on Christmas morning. Pretty much, you know it's 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 real solid. So uh, if you don't follow Brent on Twitter do check him out there uh his twitter handle Brent Sebleski uh, you can find his work on Bleacher Report we'll toss those links up there uh probably uh sometime later today just to uh to get them out there so that you can see him as well but uh you know really really great stuff and a great look at both of those quarterbacks
2: it really is and you know as Brent mentioned like look you know you've got offensive coordinators they're obviously going to go to bat for their guys i mean they're not going to sit there and say yeah you know i you know, Carson Wentz was a great college quarterback, but I don't think he'll pan out of the NFL. Of course, they're going to say the right things. But what we got from those articles, and again from talking to Brenton just now, is the involvement that both players had in the pre snap phase. I and mean, when we just got done, you know, saying our bit about Peyton Manning and how impressive he was in the pre snap phase, and yep. how there were sometimes when he beat you before the ball was even snapped. Well, there were questions about both of these guys and the offenses they ran and whether they were even allowed to make, you know, protection calls pre-Snapper, change the play. But to hear that, you know, Goff had free reign, Wentz had free reign, that both guys were involved in the protection schemes. Golf, Wentz was even allowed to, you know, change run blocking schemes. I mean, that's a level of trust and understanding and knowledge of the playbook that we didn't know until now. It's, so,
1: big.
0: it's
2: big It's big and it's another you know, it's just another piece to the puzzle. Does it really change what people of how people should be evaluating these guys. Maybe, maybe if you were knocking one of these guys because you didn't think they did that, you should probably rethink your evaluation. But again, it's a piece of the puzzle, and I think it's a big one.
0: Definitely, definitely. So uh, I think we're pretty much up against it, so yep. uh, we'll probably call it a day. No, no need for a Twitter question after, uh, no, no, after a show like that. just read those
2: two pieces from Brent. He did great work there, and be sure to give him a follow on Twitter, show him some love. That's great work that he's doing, so you know, definitely check his stuff out.
0: Definitely. Again, you can follow him at Brent Cebleski, and his work is always up at Bleacher Report. Make sure you check it out. Chuck's Zod and Mark Schofield, that's all we've got for the day. We're back tomorrow on the Inside the Pylon Quick Kicks Podcast.